I'm going to talk to you this morning, uh, uh, ironically enough, uh, we just mentioned children and acting like children, uh, but I'm going to talk to you about childlike faith today, amen, that there are some areas where we do need to act like children, not in the restroom going, amen, uh, but in other areas, the Bible actually tells us that we should be like a child. There are some areas in our life that we need to be like a child, uh, and so the one we're going to concentrate today is the having a childlike faith of my God is for me. Now, you know, I may mention uh, last Sunday, Easter Sunday, that uh, sometimes people feel like God isn't there for me. Something bad happened in your life. You lost a loved one. You know, Grandma Moses, bless God, she got to be 99 and God took her from me. No, that's just called natural death. Amen. Uh, and, and I'm being a little bit facetious, but I'm not. Uh, sometimes we're praying we're praying those, uh, those older saints out of heaven, and sometimes they want to go on to heaven. Amen? Uh, that is our reward. That is, uh, and sometimes we get mad at God because God allowed somebody to die. Well, I can guarantee you, it's 100% guaranteed unless the rapture happens, everybody in this room is going to die. Amen? So that's just a part of it. We get angry at God. God gets all the credit, like I said last week, but he also gets all the blame, doesn't he? And so something happens. Well, God didn't answer my prayer. Yes, he did. You just didn't like the answer. Uh, God let my loved one die. Well, you know, again, the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die. Well, you know, uh, this situation didn't work out the way I wanted it to. That probably means that you didn't need to be in that situation uh, or you didn't need to have that job or whatever it is. Amen. So we need to understand many people, as soon as a bad thing happens in their life, some people get married, uh, married. Some people get saved, and they immediately think the first bad thing that happens, well, the God doesn't love me anymore, and God's not for me anymore. And could I tell you this today? Nothing could be further from the truth, all right? Uh, it's kind of like uh, the reason I said marriage is because that's where my brain was going. It's kind of like marriage. You get married, and the first time you have a real big argument and you don't agree on something, you say, I guess we weren't meant to be together. That's the stupidest statement you could ever make, right? Because... Give yourself some time. You stay married 20 years, you're going to have lots of those. Amen? That's just, you, you can't bail. You make a commitment, you can't bail the first time uh, something bad comes along. And I can tell you this, God never promised that everything would go your way. Just because you got saved, God did not promise that your life would become a bowl of cherries and everything would go your way from that point forward. Amen? God simply said this, have you ever read the 23rd Psalm? Why is the 23rd Psalm there? The 23rd Psalm is there because you will go through valleys and you will go through the shadow of death and you will go through those things. That's why he had to tell you, I will be with you in those things. I will be there. My rod and my staff, they will comfort you and I will prepare a place before you at the table uh, of your enemies. What does that mean? That means, yes, there will be some enemies. Yes, there will some, be some people that don't like you. I know it's shocking. Amen. There will be some people that don't agree with you and will get crossways with you. All of that is to be expected. That's what the Bible says. Don't be surprised when hard times come along and don't be surprised when bad things happen. He said, if they hated me, what? They're going to hate you. If bad things have happened to me, they're going to happen to you. If I've been persecuted, then you can expect persecution. Amen. In fact, you can almost wear it as a badge of courage. God saw me worthy enough to uh, suffer some things like he suffered. Not near as much as him, but it, it, he counted me worthy. Amen. 
So let's look at our first scripture today. It's uh, Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 15. And uh, it says this, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. All right? What does that mean? Jesus is telling us, act like a child? What, what quality of a child do you think that he's trying to get us to emulate? Anybody? Faith? Exactly. You know how when you're a child, you just have that childlike faith? And um, you don't really have any fear? You don't get into all this judgment and condemnation like we do as adults? You don't look and say, ooh, look what that person's wearing. You know, or look what they're doing. When you're three, four, five years old and you're down there at the playground, you don't look at the color of the kids, other kid's skin. You don't look at what kind of clothes they're wearing. You don't look to see if they're dirty or clean. You cast no judgment when you're three, four years old. You just wanted to play. You're down at the playground, and this kid comes along. Doesn't matter what color their skin is. Doesn't matter what socioeconomic background they came out of. Doesn't matter. Your first thought is not, oh, are they looking at me? Are they judging me? Or what are they thinking about me? All that stuff, that crud that we let seep in as adults, children don't have it. The innocence of a what? A child. That's what he's saying. You need to keep that innocence, that childlike faith, and uh, that's, that is huge. All right, Jesus isn't telling us to be childish, but to be childlike. See the attributes of God from the perspective of a child. So I'm going to give you four attributes of God, and uh, these are things that a child would say. And the first one is what we're going to look at today. My God is for me. That's the attribute of God's goodness. Do y'all believe that God is good? Come on. Do y'all believe that God is good? Amen. Do, you do you believe it in, I know, it's, I know you believe it when he blesses you and when there's good things, but do you still believe it when bad things happen and when bad things come? That's, that's the true test, isn't it? My God is for me. Well, God didn't do this like I wanted him to, or God didn't do this like I want him to. God didn't answer my prayer. God let my loved one die. You cannot just chuck it and say, he ain't for me no more. No, he promised in the good times, in the bad times, when I need to carry you through the valley or when you're on the mountaintop. My God is for me. You've got to believe that 100% of the time. Amen. The second one, my God is with me. That's God's presence. Amen. Do you believe the verse that says, he said that I shall never leave you nor forsake you. Do you believe that? Come on. Do you believe that? I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is a promise straight out of God's mouth that you and I need to believe. And sometimes it's easy to believe that. There's a lot of times, though, it's hard to believe that. Well, Lord, it sure feels like you have left me. It sure feels like you have forsaken me. Well, God, what about my business? My, I've gone through COVID, and my business is barely hanging on by a shred. And, Lord, if something don't happen, if miracles don't happen, I'm going to have to shut my business down, or I'm going to have to stop work, or I'm going to have to go find another job, or, Lord, I lost my, my current job, and now I am unemployed. And uh, it's a lot harder at that point to say, oh, my God is still with me. He has not left me. He has not forsaken me. It's easy to say it when everything's good. It's much harder to say it when you're going through the hard times. So I want to encourage you today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what your messed up mind has. And believe me, we are living in a day and time where your mind's messed up. My mind is messed up. The devil is having a heyday. Amen. But you've got to keep it in your mind. My God is with me. He has not left me. He has not forsaken me. 
God has not left the United States of America. God has not put up a gone fishing sign. He's still here. He's still in control, and he's still on his throne. Amen? So, my God is with me. No matter what's going on. No, let me say this one again. Uh, oh Lord, here we go. Uh, no matter who's in the White House, my God is with me. Amen? No matter who's in Congress, no matter, you know, again, it doesn't matter. For whatever reason, God has allowed them to be there, and they're only there because God has allowed them to be there. Amen? And God says, I don't even need them. I can direct their hearts. I can direct king's hearts just like the flow of water. He says, I can reach down, and I can change their course of direction. They may think they're in charge, but I'm the one directing everything, whether they recognize it or not. Amen? So he never leaves you. He has not left America. He has not left us high and dry. He is still here. Amen? All right, number three, my God forgives me. Everybody say, whoo, thank you. Now somebody, you did real good. Everybody else, y'all are, come on now. My God forgives me. Whoo, thank you. Amen? That is God's grace. Where would you and I be without God's grace? Nowhere. We'd be in hell with our neck broke, as, uh, to quote Brother Mike. Amen? Uh, my God forgives me. It is all about God's grace. All right? And then number four, my God can do anything. Do you believe that? Do you really, really believe that? My God can do anything. Do you have a lost loved one who you say, I believe this person is the devil's brother or sister. And there ain't no way. I sure am praying for them. But in the back of your mind, you're like, they ain't never going to get saved. They're so evil. They're of the devil. They're so full of the devil. Even God can't break that. I beg to never stop praying, never stop believing that God can turn it around. Amen. I say that today. I go back again to my original statement. No matter who's in the White House, no matter what happens over the next four years, never underestimate that my God can do anything. My God can accomplish whatever he wants to in the next four years. No matter what you think, no matter how much in despair I get, no matter how much we think, oh, it'll never change, it's, we're all going to hell in a handbasket, and I'm here to tell you, my God can do anything. And he has a reason and purpose, and I have to trust his hand even when I don't like his hand. Amen? I have to trust his plan even when I'm going, God, what in the world is going on and what are you doing? I still have to trust in his plan. Amen? Because he is in charge and his ways are higher than my ways. I believe he uses the hard, uh, difficult stuff way more than he uses the easy stuff. So what do we call what we're in right now? Hard and difficult. Well, guess what? You know what that means? That gets me excited. Because that means God is preparing to do something big. Amen? So the harder it is, the more difficult it is. I know we, it's, it's more fun to whine and gripe about it. But I'm here to tell you what I believe is, is the more harder it is in our country right now, the more difficult it is right now, that God's getting ready to do something big. Amen? And he's getting ready to do something big. And that should, again, we can either look at the negative side of it and, and you know, just wallow in our pity. Or we can say, I'm excited because God's going to do something. I believe a great revival's coming. I believe a great revival is coming. Do you? I believe a great awakening is coming. Amen? I believe uh, the harder things get, what happens? Christians will rise up. Every great revival has started with great persecution. Look it up. It's started with hard times. It started 
with something that was tough. Amen. And unfortunately, most of us as human beings, we are only driven to our knees when things get tough. We are only driven to desperation when things get tough. Amen. Um, God's goodness. As a child, I believe God was for me. Uh, remember the old song? Jesus loves me. Okay, you stop there. Amen. <laughs> well, you sing it, didn't we? Do we still believe that? As a child, you're just like, well, yeah. As a child, you don't even think twice about it. Jesus loves me. This I know. Well, how do you know, child? Because the Bible tells me so. What happened to us as we got old and crotchety and cynical? We got old and we got, you kids get out of my yard. Amen. We just got, we turned into these old crotchety, uh, just, uh, just, you know, terrible, uh, cynical people. And I include myself in that. As we get older, uh, so many things happen to us, we let it put calluses on our heart. And we get so hard-hearted, and we get so uh, upset with people and with things happening that we just get to where we just can't seem to get over it. And we lose that childlike innocence, and we lose that childlike faith of, hey, Jesus loves me. This I know, because the Bible told me so. Amen? Uh, I got cynical. Anybody else besides me? I got cynical. Um, I had to start thinking as I got older that, well, I didn't like the way God was doing some things. So on some things, I got to where I just kind of told God, you know what, God? You handle some of that stuff. I'm going to handle this one right here by myself. Big mistake. Amen. Always ended up in a disaster. Amen. I got to thinking I knew better than God in some things. Maybe you've gone through something. Maybe you say, well, you know, my parents got divorced, and it messed me up as a kid. You know, I had a, 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 a little dog that I loved as a child, and that dog got run over and killed, and uh, I got mad at God. It can be all kinds of things. Uh, and, you know, again, it can be that, well, my, my grandma died, and God allowed her to die. I prayed. You know, as a kid, my grandma got sick, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed to God. God, would you please heal grandma? And God, you didn't do it. And she had to go to heaven, bless her little heart. Amen. And we get mad at God. And as you get older, what happens? The list just continues to grow and grow and grow of the things that you're not happy with God about. You would never say it. You would never vocalize it. But in the back of your mind and in the back of your heart, the list grows of things. I, I really don't like the way God did that. I really don't like the way God handled that. Amen. And as a child, you know, the great thing about it is uh, children, uh, once, uh, once you get them trained right, uh, they're pretty compliant. Amen. But then they become teenagers. They're becoming independent. They're starting to think for themselves. And so they begin to, uh, to question your authority. Do you remember, again, I, I mentioned this many times before, but when your kids were small, it was like you were a superhero. Man, you better enjoy that time because it's coming to an end. Amen. Uh, but th when I, my kids were little, they thought mom and dad could do anything. I mean, it's literally almost superhero status. And then, again, somewhere around 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and especially getting teenagers, you switch from being a superhero uh, to just being a complete dummy. Amen. You don't know anything. All right. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed those superhero years where my kids thought I knew everything and could do everything. But enjoy it. It doesn't last long. Amen. And the th same thing happens to us. We start, we get saved, 
And we just trust God in everything. God knows best. And Daddy, I trust you. But then we are saved a few years. And we get a few hurts, a few calluses on us. And we're like, I don't like that, Lord. I don't like the way you do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this part. I'll give you these parts of my life. But these parts of my life, I'm going to keep control of. And we begin to get cynical even with God. We begin to get cynical with our Heavenly Father and say, you know what? I used to think you knew everything, but I'm not so sure now. I think I probably can handle some of this better than you can. That's what happens. You know, We lose that childlike faith and that childlike innocence. I want to give you an example. Um, when I was little, we had a swimming pool. And we had a swimming pool, and you know, I was probably, I don't know, six, seven years old, and I hadn't learned to swim yet. And I uh, hadn't got uh, taught to swim yet. And so uh, we had this pool, but I would always have to have somebody out there. And, uh, you know, it was just deep enough. It was about five or six feet deep that, it, you know, I couldn't, uh, couldn't stand up in it. Uh, but my dad would get in the pool uh, at this age. I was five or six. And uh, if Jerry was my dad, I'd stand on the deck. It had a deck around. It was above the ground pool. I'd stand on the deck. My dad would get down in the water, and he would hold his hands out. Everybody's, everybody's done this or seen this. Amen. Amen. And uh, my dad would do just that. And he would say, jump, Mark. And without any fear, without any second thought to it, I'd just leap off right into my dad's arms. Can I ask you why? Why I just bypassed all that fear? I couldn't swim. I knew I'd probably drown if I went under the water. Why did I not have any fear about it? Because my daddy was right there. And I had complete and total 100% trust in my daddy. It eliminated and took away all of my fear. And I just leapt with abandon right into my dad's arms. Amen. Can you and I, we need to get back to that. Amen. We need to get back where we just abandon all that fear. and We just say, Lord, I trust you. I completely trust you. I know you're not going to let me drown. I know you're not going to let me go into the water and just take the leap of faith. Many of us are so locked up in our fears we don't hardly take any leaps of faith anymore because we're so locked up in fear. We need to get back some of that childlike faith. Amen. Uh, I want to read you a poem. And a lot of this has to do that I'm talking about today with your perspective. Can I say it's always been true? God is for you. God's never gone anywhere. And you can always trust God. And he can do anything. But a lot of it, is your thinking got messed up. I want everybody's attention right here. I'm going to read you this poem. A 15-year-old boy wrote this poem. But it's, uh, it's an interesting poem. There's a, there's a name for the type of poem is. But if you read it forward, it's very depressing. But it's one of those poems where you can read it backwards and it tells the truth. And it's all about your perspective. Are you Which direction are you looking at it from, all right? Uh, this is a 15-year-old boy. It's called, his name was Kyle. It's called Kyle's Poem. He wrote this at 15 years old. He said, God doesn't love me. You can't force me to believe that God is good. This is the one truth in life. This world is a product of chance. How can I believe that God will use my life? I know with certainty that God has left me. Never again will I say that Christ is risen from the dead. I know now more than ever in my life that man can save himself. We must realize that it is ignorant to think that God answers prayers. Christians declare that without God... This world would fall into darkness. This world can and will meet my needs. It is a lie to say that God has always been there for me. 
Now, I read that from that direction. That's extremely depressing. I think, oh, that young man is messed up. He is far away from God. But I turn around and I read it from the bottom up and I'll change my perspective of it and it tells a completely different story. Reading it the other way, it says, God has always been for me there. Uh, God has always been there for me. It is a lie to say that this world can and will meet my needs. Without God, this world would fall into darkness. Christians declare that God answers prayers. We must realize that it is ignorant to think man can save himself. I know now more than ever in my life that Christ is risen from the dead. Never again will I say that God has left me. I know with certainty that God will use my life. How can I believe that this world is a product of chance? This is the one truth in life. God is good. You can't force me to believe that God doesn't love me. So it's the same poem, but it's all in the direction you read it. It's all in the direction you look at it. Amen. Uh, man, our thinking, our perspective has everything to do. When you lose your faith in God, when you lose that childlike faith, it's because we are not thinking right. We have let the devil sell us a lie. We have let the world sell us a lie. And I'm here to tell you, this world has nothing to offer you. All the stuff that they try to get you to buy, all the things that they tell you you can't live without, it is a mirage and a lie from Satan himself. Amen. And we need to get our thinking right and know that God is our hope. He is everything in our life. You can chase after the things of this world. And I can tell you, now I hadn't caught a lot of them, but I have caught a few of them. And can I tell you, every time I've caught something, the thing of this world that I wanted and said I can't live without, you know what happened? I was highly disappointed. Highly, highly let down. Highly, highly disappointed. New stuff all goes away. You know how you get that new car? You ever bought a brand new car? I, I did it once, amen. I could only afford to do it once, amen. But bought a brand new car. You get that new car smell. Man, everything, the, the seats are new. Nobody else is, I mean, it's just nice, amen. And uh, boy, for about the first six months, it's like you can't wait to get in that car every morning, amen. Just smell that new car smell and sit in those nice seats. Uh, then after about a year, not quite as fun anymore after two years uh and then it's amazing by year three you're like you know this is just not quite it anymore amen this thing i need to get a new one amen uh everything uh, will become old eventually amen and everything all that thing we said i cannot live without it did you ever get that job you said lord if you'd give me this job i'll never ask for another job and then about three weeks into that job you go oh dear lord what have i done lord i did not want this job Amen. You ever done that? That's, again, proof that God knows better than you. And some of those things he said no to, if you knew the truth, you'd be glad he didn't give them to you. Amen. The great theologian Garth Brooks said, thank God for unanswered prayers. Amen. And he was talking about a girl. Amen. But it goes for a lot of other things, too. Amen. Because if God had given me that unanswered prayer, I wouldn't have found the one that was meant for me. Amen. So you need to understand, every time God said no or wait or not right now, there was a reason, and he was watching out for you, whether you know it or not, and whether you realized it or not, okay? All right, my God is for me. I'm going to give you a two uh, scriptures here. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, we're probably all familiar with this one. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Everybody say amen. And then Romans 8, 31 and 32 says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, say it with me. Whew, 
amen. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how he, shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Amen. All right, I'm going to give you three things, and I'll be done. Uh, when I realize God is for me, number one, I don't hide from God, but I run to God. Did you ever break something at home when you were little, and you knew mom and daddy was coming home, and as soon as you heard mom and daddy coming in the door, what did you do? Run and hide. Run and hide. Amen. You're trying to run and hide. Guess what? It all started back at the beginning of the Bible. Remember a couple of people called Adam and Eve? Go back and look at Genesis 3.10. Genesis 3.10 says this. Go ahead. It says, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. All right? The very first sin, right out of the box, Adam said, I knew the Lord was coming, and now I realize I'm naked, and so I ran and I hid from God. Can I ask you this? When you do something and you know that the Lord was not pleased with it, and you know that it was not in God's plan for you, many times, whether you realize it or not, we run and we hide from God, don't we? Now, you can't really run and hide from God because God's everywhere, amen? And you can't really hide from him. But you know what we try to do? When I enter into sin and when I know that God is not pleased with me, I stop praying. I stop reading my Bible. I stop doing the things that I know God is pleased with because I know every time I approach his word or I approach him, what happens? Because there is now a Holy Spirit that lives in me and it convicts me. Can I say this? Conviction, in as unpleasant as it is, it's there for a reason. It's to keep you straight. Is to keep me straight. Amen. And when the conviction comes, and many of you, you think nobody can tell it. Can I tell you this? The preacher can tell many times. I can tell it. You know how I can tell it? It's as simple as saying, I wonder where so-and-so is. You know, and I, I hadn't seen them for two, three, four weeks. And then I pick up the phone, and I call so-and-so, and I say, hey, I've been missing. Yeah, I know. It's just... Man, lots of things going on, and, uh, you know, and, uh, well, man, I was really thinking maybe, you know, you could come up here, and uh, we're doing a Bible study. Why don't you come up here? And, oh, I, you know, I really didn't. Because I don't want to be near the things of God. When people are doing the things and getting out of line with God, they don't want to be near the conviction of God. They don't want to be near the word of God. They don't want to be near the presence of God. Amen? And you think you're fooling everybody, and really, quite honestly, this goes true for all of us. Everybody around you can clearly see it before you ever see it. You think you're, nobody sees it, but the reality is everybody sees our blind spots much clearer than we see them. And so many times, it's a clear indication. Somebody, they call it backsliding for a reason, amen? You ever tried to climb up a hill when it was icy? Remember when we had all the snow? Some of you got in your car, you tried to go up the hill, and you just backslid right back down. That's the picture of backsliding and many people it's like until God gets your attention you're not going to climb back up that hill you're just you're more comfortable to stay away and to stay hidden from God and can I tell you don't stay there because the longer you stay there the longer you get used to it and the longer you get used to it you form bad habits you form but good habits by by doing them you form bad habits the same way and I'm guaranteeing you this the longer you stay away from church People watching on video, you really need to hear this. 
The longer you stay away from this building and the longer you stay away from God's people, you're never coming back if you're not careful. Because the devil will keep giving you excuse. Yes, it's easier. You know, I love that if you need to, you can watch this online. But unfortunately, the negative side of that is, is that we have gotten lazy. Some of the statistics are saying that 20% of your people that left during COVID will never come back. That, to me, is the work of Satan, and that is not good. Amen? Uh, we need you here. Nothing is meant to replace being in God's house and being in God's presence. Amen? And, but it's easier to stay away because you know what? In my living room watching this on video, I don't feel that conviction near as much. Uh, if it does start to convict me, I just say, okay, Brother Mark, I got it. I just turn it off. It's easier, isn't it? Once that conviction starts, I can just kind of remove it, walk out of the room, go get a snack. Amen? All right, number two. Uh, I don't live for God's approval, but from his approval. Scripture for this is Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And here's the very important part of this verse. Underline it or highlight it. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Look at that verse. Leave that verse up there. What is that verse saying? That verse is saying that you don't work to get God's approval. God's not waiting for you to do a hundred good works before he gives you his approval. This Bible says, right here, this verse says that God gave me his approval when I didn't even give him a second thought. The day that I cursed God, and maybe I wasn't even cursing God, maybe just I didn't have any idea he existed, I didn't really have any care about him. In that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. He in other words, and I can say this is true for every person in this room, he died for your sins and he gave you your salvation before you ever gave him a second thought. So if you think you've got to earn his approval, you are sadly mistaken. You don't earn his approval. You couldn't ever do enough to earn his approval. But the Bible says that he provided it while you never thought about him. It was provided for you. Salvation is available to everybody in this room, everybody in this world, even the one who says there is no God. Salvation has been provided for that person. All you have to do is reach out and accept it. Amen? So quit running from him and come running to him. Quit trying to gain his approval by good works and say, I am already approved. Uh, anybody in here play Little League Baseball? I played Little League Baseball. And I wasn't a great player, but I loved playing. And I would play, and it would seem like, uh, I don't know if any of y'all had this experience. When my dad, I love my dad, and I think probably all boys seek their dad's approval. And they seek wanting their dad's approval. And so my dad didn't get to come to all my Little League baseball games. And I would play, and dad wasn't there, and it was like I was freed up. And I would play a lot better. And I'd get some hits, and I'd make some good plays. And I'd say, man, ooh, I wish dad was there, amen, because I really wanted my dad to see me do good, and I really wanted my dad's approval. But then all of a sudden, when dad could make the games and dad would show up, and what would I do? I'd tense up because I so badly wanted to do good, and I so badly wanted his approval, and I'd strike out every time, and I'd uh, make errors out in the field. And I finally had to come to the realization, and my dad set me aside on this because he could see the tension there. And my dad had to sit me down and say, son, I love you. You've already got my approval. You don't have to prove anything. I'm not, I'm not 
worried about whether you're going to be a professional baseball player or not. It doesn't matter whether you strike out or whether you hit a home run. I love you regardless. Amen. And that's what I needed to hear from my daddy. Amen. That's what you need to hear. Quit trying to strive for his approval. Your daddy is telling you today, I love you. You're going to mess up. It doesn't matter whether you think you've achieved your dreams or my dreams. I'm telling you, you are working from my approval. I already approve of you, and I already love you, and you're already the apple of my eye. You don't have to earn it. Quit striving and stressing so hard to get my approval because it's already given to you. That's good. Amen. Uh, Number three, last one. I don't fear what happens to me because I know God is working in me. Amen. Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Amen. The Lord loves you. Romans 8.28. Go back to that. I skipped that one. Amen. Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work, what? Together for good. Does that verse say all things are good that happen to me? No. It says all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Amen. All things work together for good. Could I say this? Even the loss of your job, even that broken relationship in your life, even that financial trouble that you're going through, even that, uh, that bankruptcy you had to declare, which was so embarrassing. Even that Im- most embarrassing moment in your life where you got caught doing something and everybody saw it. Could I say this? Even those things, even those things, all things work together for good. Even the bad, hard, embarrassing stuff. Sometimes even more. Because those are the things that are etched in your brain to say, I never want to go there again. Amen. We need to understand that. God was for me in my yesterdays. Can I ask you this? If you look back on your life and you say, there is no doubt God was for me, then what makes you say or even begin to doubt that he won't be there for your tomorrows? God's faithfulness should be the number one thing on our mind. He's been faithful to me. Look at all these things he's done in my life. Look at how he's pulled me out of the fire so many times. If we can look back on our yesterdays yesterdays and say, God was with me in my yesterdays, why can't I trust him with my tomorrows? But yet we're so fearful. We live in a culture and a day and time which is so much bound up in fear. And I'm here to tell you, walk out the door in the morning and say, hey, COVID, how are you this morning? Hey, pandemic, how's everybody doing today? And just smile and go have a great day. Amen. Don't live in fear. Cast all fear aside. That's what the Bible tells you to do. Cast all fear aside. If God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. And the last scripture is this, Psalm 66, 16. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. I was self-centered and sinful. God forgave all my sins. He opens doors so I can serve him. He's used my past to relate to people. He's used my most terrible things in my life to relate to him. And more than anything, can I tell you this? 
Y'all don't really know me. Some of you have known me a while. But I can tell you this. From the day I know my entire life, most of you have known me a set period of time. Can I tell you this? The road that my life was on, when the Lord came into my life, he totally changed the direction of my life. My life today, if the Lord had not come into it, would look totally different from the way it looks today. He changed my heart. He changed my life. He changed my course. He changed my pattern. He changed my purpose. And that's what we need to understand. God can change everything in a moment's notice. Amen. Amen. You would bow your head and close your eyes. And I always want to give an opportunity. If you're here today and uh, you've been wandering from the Lord, maybe you have lost your childlike faith. I want to invite you to come back. The Lord loves you so much. And he is always waiting with his arms wide open. If you need to come back to him, or maybe you need to come to him for the first time, would you just pray this prayer with me in your heart and in your mind? Dear Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner, and I need you. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And right now, the best way I know how, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to save me from myself. Now, if you prayed that prayer, every head but still bowed, I don't want to embarrass you. But I do want to pray for you. Anybody pray that prayer today for the first time or the second time or a recommitment to the Lord? All right. According to that testimony, everybody in here knows the Lord. Now, I want you to be very honest with me today, and I will start by raising my own, man, my own hand. How many of you would say, Brother Mark, I need prayer to get some of that childlike faith back. I need prayer to get some of that innocence back and that trust in the Lord. Just raise your hand. Thank you, hands all over. Lord, we love you today, and I pray, Lord, I know you've seen these hands. God, help us to quit being so cynical and, God, uh, beat up by the world, God, and help us to just regain our trust in you. Help us to regain that childlike faith, just like that child jumping into daddy's arms in that swimming pool. May we just abandon all of our fear and just leap into your arms in trust, Lord. And thank you for today. Thank you for every good thing that's happened in this place today. Meet all of our needs. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday. Don't forget, ladies, for the ladies' meeting, there's uh, sign-up sheets for food and riding the van back there. So uh, fill those out. And Brother Nelson has our offering basket at the door. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.